quick little disclaimer, I'm still getting used to all these microphones, headphones, and my cell service in my closet. Noted. So you're going to have a few moments in this podcast where it's kind of hard to understand me. Noted. Sorry about that. I promise I'll do better in future episodes. So here we go. Sherry, how's it going? Oh, well, we're swimming horses, and we've got some people coming to pick up horses and some people to drop off horses. So just a normal day. Welcome to the Barrel Horse Life Podcast, where we're going to talk all things horses, barrel racing, and life. This podcast features conversations from world champions, hustlers, and those who make the horse industry a better place. I am your host, Amy Davenport, and I'm so glad you came along for the ride. Let's get started. In this first episode, I'm going to chat with my friend, Sherry Sunding. Wait, Sunden? I'm not really sure how to say her last name, but she's going to tell us. Sherry's the owner of Two High Dollar Ranch, located in Greenfield, Indiana. Two High Dollar Ranch is a rehabilitation and conditioning center for all types of horses that want to maintain that peak performance. Sherry's a super cool lady, full of information, and she's always got a ton of knowledge. So we're going to go over all different types of therapies, what they do, and how they work. So here we go. It's going great. Good. What's going on today around the ranch? So when someone brings you a horse to the ranch for the first time, walk me through the process of what goes on and how you evaluate things. Horses usually come to us for like two reasons. So they're either coming in for rehabilitation or they're coming in to be conditioned. Uh, We get a lot of vet referrals. So if a horse is um, coming to us by a vet referral, um, I've either already talked to the vet prior to it coming or um, the owner is making sure that, you know, I've, I've got access to the vet so that we can come up with a plan um, to rehab the horse or to condition the horse. Um, sometimes a horse comes by the decision of the owner uh, due to time constraints. Sometimes they're just not capable um, or have a place that would be safe for the horse to uh, rehabilitate. So then we consult with our own veterinarian and come up with a rehab plan. Um, Obviously, I'm educated in rehabbing horses, but I always feel like a vet needs to be involved. Um, And then when a horse comes to be conditioned, usually that's just an owner or a trainer that decides that they want an exercise plan and either want better condition for their horse or maybe they're trying to um, fit them for a certain event. So then... I usually just sit down with the owner and we kind of discuss what the discipline is, um, come up with a plan that we think will work best for for that. And then um, if I have any questions, like I'll consult with um, the vet or the owner during the process. Cool. So when someone brings you a horse, say, for example, like me, you know, we give our horses the winter time off here in the Midwest because cold, the ground's frozen. So when I bring you my horse, what are, what are some of the therapies that you start off doing? Um, usually one of the most popular therapies that we have is the underwater treadmill system. And we have a hydro horse underwater treadmill system. So water comes up pretty much on the average size horse, 15-2, um, 15-3. It'll come up and cover um, the majority of the shoulders, um, middle of the rib cage. So it um, usually puts them at about 50% buoyancy. Um, which is really good for, like, their joints. Um, And obviously swimming is um, not uh, hard on them, and they can fully be conditioned that way. So that is probably one of the most popular um, things that we have. And then your social media, too, whenever you... Yes, yes. everybody likes... The video. Oh, they like yes. to see a horse it's swim. So cool. And they love it, surprisingly. Yes. My mare absolutely hates water, but she loves that. Loves it. Yes. She likes to splash in it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So that's probably the most popular thing for conditioning. But we also put horses on the hot walker every day. Um, if for some reason the owner doesn't want them on the hot walker, we will actually hand walk. Um, we do do some ponying if... Um, 
we need to, but we would prefer not to do anything with another horse and an, an owner's horse um, being involved. Uh, then we have, like, the vibration therapy. Uh, we have the solarium, which is infrared therapy, which helps um, horses increase their blood flow throughout their body and still soft tissue. Um, we have lasers, and we do cranial sacral therapy, resistance bands for um, getting horses to regulate their uh, muscles and get them back to um, the therapies that are back to the condition they needed. Um, we have dental and corrective rehab barriers, nutritional plan, hot walkers, chiropractic services. Um, we, we're kind of a full gamut in a very small um, barn. We have 21 stalls, so we can reach out to every horse every day. We know everything that's going on. Um, we have full cameras throughout the um, building, so my staff knows that they are um, they are liable for every horse that's there. They're very highly qualified staff and therapists. Um, the veterinarians that we have and farriers that attend um, can either be an owner's request or we have our own um, veterinarian farriers that come to us. So tell me a little bit more about the solarium. It uh, The way I can explain it to people is it's kind of like that hex tanning bed that us girls used to get in when we were in high school, um, but only for horses. I know that is probably a terrible analogy, but that's the best way I can explain it. So tell me a little bit more about that. We usually try to put them in um, three days a week, and we do that mostly so that they can keep it for conditioning a horse, obviously. Um, we put them in three days a week so that they can um, relieve the sore muscles and lactic acid in their body and get good blood circulation going back through their body and um, relieve the stress um, on the muscles and soft tissue. So the solarium is 275 watt of infrared bulbs. There is uh, 20 bulbs in the system. And um, it is kind of like a glorified tanning bed, but it's infrared rays, which are good rays. Those are the rays that you get from the sun, um, from being outside. And so it restores the vitamin D and calcium in the body also. Um, we just walk them in, hook them up um, to the uh, post so that they can stand there. And they usually stand in there for about 20 minutes. Horses that are being rehabbed that are not allowed to be outside, um, that are on stall rides, we will put them in there for at least 20 minutes daily so that they are still getting the vitamin D and calcium that they would receive from the sunshine. It is great. And even in the winter when we get a little dull, um, my dad and I or our staff will stand under it for 10 or 15 minutes, and it seems to revive you. <laughs> yeah, it really, really does. Okay, so when they leave the solarium, what's the next uh, next little stop that they stop at? Um, one of the things that we'll do, and we do, the, we do it throughout the day um, because we don't like to have Horses just like jam-packed all in one. Horses get bored if they're in their stalls, and obviously they get bored if they're just in turnout. So um, if we swim in the morning, and then we'll take them to the solarium, or they'll go back to their stall, and then we try to plan throughout the day another therapy for them. So they'll either go to the hot walker and um, walk or jog on the hot walker for 30 minutes, um, 20 or 30 minutes, depending on what their discipline is. Obviously, every horse's discipline is different, so we're going to uh, rehab or condition them different also. also. But then um, we will go to the Equivide, and um, there's a whole body vertical vibration. It's a platform. They just walk in. It's um, actually in the floor. We have um, put it so that it is flat surface, um, and they can't step off of it. Yes. Yeah. Um, we get a lot of horses in with injuries that they cannot step up. So we have to make everything handicap accessible for horses. Um, and we also, like, rehab other animals, too, and we can talk about that. Um, but the it's a vertical vibration that simulates um, the natural movement of the body. So the Equivide is the only plate in the industry that actually um, works the voluntary and involuntary muscles of the body without um, disturbing the joint process. Um, it provides like a little micro hits, like little taps 
of gravity, and they um, enhance the clinical compression that will, like, wake up the nerves or excite the nerves, mobilize the joints, strengthen the muscles. Um, it's the duration and the frequency that we put a horse on it also varies according to discipline or rehab, and it has um, speeds from 10 to 60 hertz. So um, we really like to use that. We try to use that um, five days a week. Some horses that are in rehab um, that have maybe founder or laminitis, um, we are putting on there two or three times a day. Awesome. So in Equivibe, is that something, say, if you have a horse that, that needs to use that kind of therapy, is that something you would use daily, weekly? How often is that necessary? Yes. Um, the Equivibe, like for my own horse, I put him on there every day except for Sunday. Um, I like to put him on for 30 minutes. I put it at um, 30 hertz, which is a really good just conditioning um, vibration. And so I like to put him on there. I know that it creates good blood circulation to his body, which obviously is going to build his immune system. Um, but I also know it's going to take any soreness out from either riding or exercise. Um, it's going to help build his lungs and also keep his lungs clear. And um, I know that it's creating the bone density that maybe he's not getting just in turnout or, um, you know, by me riding him. So it's something that can be used daily. It can be used two or three times a day, depending on the horse. Um, it's very non-invasive. Um, the reason that we use the Equivibe is it, the company has done extensive research with, um, like, Middle Tennessee State University, Texas A&M, Michigan State, um, and Colorado State. And I feel like those are four hospitals, horse hospitals, that are um, very up and coming in the industry. Yeah. And it's made in the USA, and I like that. Yes. Awesome. So I've had a lot of, one of the most requested things is people want to hear about MagnaWave. So yes. I know that you've touched a little bit on that, just you and I personally in the past. Can you explain what it is, how it works? I know a little bit scientific. I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to that. So go. <laughs> Yes. So the night wave, I'll put it in um, normal people terms and not nerd terms yes. so that people understand. Um, but it's a pulsed electromagnetic field, and that's why it's called PEMF. Um, and what, it, what the big picture of it is, is it improves cellular function in the body at a molecular level. So obviously um, our, our whole body is made up of tiny little uh, molecules. And what it does, um, the big picture of it is it um, wakes all of that up, opens up the cells, um, which then in uh, long term, it reduces inflammation. Um, it can relieve pain. Um, it also improves the immune system, obviously. It really helps with, like, um, bruising of um, soft tissue, bone, um, even nerves. Um, nerves in the body can lay dormant, or obviously they can be severed and die. Um, so a lot of injuries that come, such as uh, radial nerve damage or neck injuries, um, are because of pinched nerves or nerve damage, letting the nerves either lay there just dormant, or maybe there's fragments of the nerve that, you know, have been torn or shredded. Um, we use it a lot for that. Um, so that we can, like, wake wake up the cellular function and wake up those nerves and say, like, hey, you've got to go back to work, um, which then, you know, helps restore and reestablish the normal cell interaction. Um, I do love the MagnaWave. I also want to put in a disclaimer that I feel there are a lot of people that have bought the MagnaWave they may or may not have been through the training, and it can do as much damage as it can do good. And so when people are going to um, horse shows or having individuals come out to their um, barns, I would hope that they would be asking if they've had the training, how much training they've had, and how long they've been using it. Because um, we have seen in, the, in our industry that, um, 
there has been as much damage done as there has been anything else. Um, just from people not properly being um, educated and um, having the knowledge of how to use it properly. Yeah, we're big on education um, at our Absolutely. facility, and even our therapists that work for us, like they have to be educated. And we do, um, we do have high school and college students that work for us also. But without somebody standing there with them, or without us putting them through the training, um, which sometimes is costly. Um, they do not work on customer horses without having proper certifications. Awesome. Um, so rewinding to what you were talking about a little bit earlier. Um, okay, so first of all, is there anything else you want to touch on as far as therapies, Magdalays, Agrivibe, Solarium, anything else you want to cover? I don't think so. Like, most of the things are pretty self-explanatory. And okay. obviously, like, there's so many that I can't even mention, but... Every horse is an individual, so when they come in, you know, they get different things. And um, we're always, we always welcome people that call us, um, you know, text us, message us, whatever, and ask questions. Um, we're, we, we like to educate. Absolutely. So I have heard that you don't only work on just horses. I've heard a story about you straddling a bucking bull in a chute. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to hear the story on all of these things. Yes. Um, I actually got started with uh, bucking bulls and bucking horses um, through mutual um, friends that were contractors. And once I became a chiropractor um, and also started going through um, certifications and licensing of um, therapy work, um, I started having contractors that said, you know, are you willing to do this? And um, I've grown up in the rodeo world um, the, my entire life. My dad was a bull rider and um, eventually a calf roper. My mom was a barrel racer. And so um, bucking stock does not scare me. Um, I've been around it my whole life. Um, fed them, um, put them in shoots, all kinds of things. And so I had the opportunity to start working on um, bucking horses and bucking bulls and doing chiropractic work and other therapies. Um, sometimes we even house them at our facility. Um, usually we have a couple of bucking bulls right before um, the PBR finals or that um, or before their season starts um, to either try to get them in shape or if they've got old injuries, um, old scar tissue or that, that um, needs laser work or things of that sort, then um, we'll work on them. So, yes, um, that's probably the riskiest animals that I work on. Um, but we also work on a lot of show cattle and um, show pigs, lambs, goats, dogs, cats, llamas. We've even worked on a few zoo animals. So we pretty much pick anything that has four legs. I, I'm not going to take your snake if you have a snake. I, I don't want to work with snakes. That's where you draw the line. <laughs> I eat it things like that. Yes. I've even I've even helped chickens before, so <laughs> that's awesome. And you're also a chiropractor, right? Yes, yes, I do chiropractic work, and then we also have like a cranial sacral therapist and a massage therapist at our facility. Awesome. So. A lot of people might not know that you also rodeo a lot, correct? So you and you've rodeoed your whole life. Yes, I rodeoed. My first rodeo that I competed in was at the age of seven. It was actually a professional rodeo. Is um, with the IPRA. So um, my family started me very early. Um, I learned real fast um, how to be a little bit gritty because um, you're going to get passed up if you're not. So, yes, I had, um, my dad always likes to brag that by the time I was six months old, I had already traveled 30,000 miles because they just pretty much, um, <laughs> all popped me out and they put me in the camper. <laughs> That's awesome. So, I, I'd like to radio a lot, um, heavier than I do, but I love my job and it's really hard to travel. So, I try to stay pretty close to home. Or if I go away, I try not to be gone more than, you know, a day or two. Sure. Um, so where are you headed to next as far as racing? Um, I probably am going to go to the Sharon Camarillo Classic in um, Cloverdale, Indiana. Me too. Um, there. Awesome. That will be um, fantastic. 
she puts on a great event, and um, I think that's probably where I'm going to go next. I I try to pick and choose where I go because obviously I can't be gone a lot. Um, so that event I'll be able to drive back and forth to. And um, I like to go where there's nice money and good prizes. Yeah, don't we all? Um, yeah. Staying on that subject, what are some things that you'd love to see more of or to see changing in the horse industry? Probably one of the biggest things that, um, and, and most people that know me know how I feel about it, I feel like we need better regulations on supplement companies. Um, yes. on what's in supplements and how they advertise them because there are many supplement companies out there, obviously, with nutritional supplements. They've um, absolutely flooded the market. They've um, exploded over the last decade. And I do believe that supplements can be beneficial to horses, but I think we need to ensure that we can trust the products that we're using and if a company makes a claim, for instance, I believe it needs to be supported by clinical research. I, I don't um, like the fact that um, there really is no regulation on supplements except that um, it has to be edible and safe for a horse to eat. Um, and a and, really nice slow clap right there. Amen. Please get off this, sir. Yes. So when when a company makes a claim that, oh, um, this famous barrel racer or this person that is winning is endorsing the supplement, that doesn't actually mean that they are using it or that it's been proven by research. And I know a lot of um, barrel racers that are out there that are endorsing products that um, are not using them, that they are endorsing them because the companies will give them products to sell and then they sell those products to make money. So marketing. Um, it's marketing, and there's nothing wrong with it, but I just feel like we need better regulations on supplements. Um, a lot of times the supplements make claims, um, you know, take pictures um, that aren't even remotely in the same direction or sunlight or light um, or same place, um, or they create testimony. Um, and it, the false advertisement. And um, I just hope that individuals that own horses would actually look at what, what they're feeding um, as far as grains and what they're feeding as far as um, hay and get, get your hay tested and look at what is in your grain already. And even grain companies, I feel like there are good grains and bad grains out there, um, a lot of fillers, and you'll find that in your cheaper feed, and that's why it's cheaper, because it's a filler, and that's not necessarily good for your horse's body. Um, it's just filling it up. It's not actually giving it nutrition. So my, a very big pet peeve of mine is that we don't have better regulation on supplement companies, and that also horse owners are not um, looking into and reading labels of what their horses are eating. I feel like this is a really deep rabbit hole that we could probably sit and talk about for about two hours. I could not. Oh, I could talk for hours and hours and hours on that. I know. I know. <laughs> and I have had the great luck of founding a really good nutritionist to work with. And that's one thing that she has taught me. And I've been on the same feed plan now for about a year and a half, almost two years. And it hasn't changed. When you find what works, you don't fix it. And there's so right. many things that have come on. Oh, and, and testing your hay. It is so cheap. I think it cost me 25 bucks to test my hay. And then we find out what's in it, what's not in it, and then you supplement in between that. So knowing yes, exactly what you're putting in your horse's body is, you know, because they're, they're athletes. They are equine athletes. And if we're feeding yes. them a bag of Chex Mix or a bag of vegetables, what's going right. to be healthier? And I'm also huge. I recommend this to everyone that comes to our facility or people ask, like, how do you know what to feed? I am huge on getting blood tests at the beginning of the year and then getting another one mid-season and having another one at the end of the year if you're going to shut down because then you have a, um, an idea of what they're lacking um, as far as vitamins and minerals. Um, you also have a baseline for a blood test so that if something happens that your horse is not working properly or you feel like you're sluggish 
or maybe they're more excitable um, or, you know, freak out more easily, you can take another blood test sometimes and you can actually find out that their levels are high in something or their levels are really extremely low in something. So I love that. I love that. Preach on. I think that's something that needs to go right with your warming and your shot program. Absolutely. Um, okay. Anything else you want to touch on that? No, because I just talked forever about <laughs> supplement companies. It's a rabbit hole. <laughs> I feel okay, like if I, you I like feed good feed and you feed good hay, yours probably is not going to need a lot of supplements. Amen. Okay. Well, we're going to close that rabbit hole for now because, again, I feel like later on in this, this season of podcasts, I'm going to have to have a nutritionist, somebody else on that can really dive down to that yes. rabbit hole, clear things up. Um, there's so many people that are just uneducated, and you just don't know what you don't know. I've actually yes. only had horses probably 10 years, not even that, and I had no idea. I was just going to my local farm store and buying whatever horse feed looked pretty. Honest to God, I yes. had no idea whenever I first started. So I'm thankful that I have had a good group of people that have led me in the right direction. And when it comes to horses, I don't know about you guys, but I have found what not to do versus what to do. You find out what doesn't yes. work first, and then you find out, okay, well, that didn't work. Let me try something else. And it's just trial and error figuring out what does work. Exactly. And I always say what works for you might not work for another horse. Every horse is an individual also, just like you and I are. I could have the same training program, exercise program as you, and drop weight and gain muscle, and you – could gain weight and not develop muscles. So every horse is individual, and you have to find out what is right for that horse. Absolutely. I know that um, my husband's been trying to eat low-carb, low-sugar, and I know that I've been trying to do the same thing and say, I'm not losing any weight, and he's gone. What yes. the heck is going on? <laughs> yes. It doesn't work out. Yes. Horses are the same way. So. Horses right, are so, the same way. Yeah. Another one of the most requested uh, questions is talking about bits. And I can tell you right now, I am not a bit, a bit expert. I have a trainer and people that have helped me get the right way. So um, tell me a little bit about what bits you like, what you've used, a little bit of your bit knowledge. I, um, I am not a bit connoisseur, but I am um, a person that loves to go look at every single bit um, so as a child. Yes. As a child, um, we trained a lot of um, colts, just like getting them started so that people could take them on to other disciplines, things of that sort. And, um, you know, we just had a gamut of bits to see what would work. And I was very fortunate because my dad would make bits because he's a tool and die um, guy. So, like, he would make bits and create different things to make things work for horses. So, um, he's a connoisseur when it comes to bits. but. Um, two of my favorite bits, I love riding in just a plain old cow horse snaffle short shank. Um, I feel like that fits a lot of horses. Um, but also, like, my very favorite bit to ride my horse in or to run my horse in is the original Kathy James by L&W bits. So oh, yeah. that's like, that, I just feel like it has a really soft feel. Um, you know, it keeps the shoulders up. Um, it keeps your horse supple. Um, I was recommended that by a fraternity trainer, and it has worked really, really well for me. So I would say that's probably his favorite bit. Um, and I've been able to use that in a lot of different horses. But as far as favorites, like, I feel like every horse I ride, there's a different favorite bit. Yes. <laughs> and I think that's yes. the thing. Because it works for one person doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to work for another. And... um you know, bits have gotten outrageous as far as price, but I think that people need to understand that it's the quality of the bit, you know, if the bit is balanced, um, how it's weighted, um, all of those things that you actually pay for what you get. And knowing that my dad was a tool and die work, um, worker and had to create bits, like there's a lot of time that goes into it. They're just not like on an assembly line um, or, or the quality bits are not on an assembly line. Yes, so I hear you mentioned your dad a few times, so tell me about your dad, the legend Don. 
Everybody it seems knows like he is. he is. Your dad is seriously a legend. Honestly, he is. I just absolutely love him. So tell me more about your dad, those of you, for those listening that don't know him. Well, he is um, 79 years old. We'll absolutely run circles. Get it right. Today. Well, yes. 79 years. Yeah. Or actually, he's actually 77. He'll kill me. <laughs> he's 77 years young. He runs around like he's 19. Um, the man I don't think ever walks anywhere. He runs to to um, do something. So yes, he think. is um, actively involved in um, the International Pro Radio Association and judges radios from New York to Oklahoma um, to Minnesota to Texas. Um, he is all over the place judging rodeos and bull ridings. Um, Still actively doing that and was really upset over the whole COVID this year that he didn't get to go to a lot of the rodeos that he normally judges. Some of his favorites are like Ellicottville, New York, and um, some of the rodeos even close to home. He just just um, beside himself because he was, wasn't traveling. So, of course, I have him working. <laughs> he works beside me every day. Um, clean stalls, preps. Cub stuff for me, helps with therapies and um, swimming the horses, um, does all of our uh, maintenance work, um, drags the arena, works it up, drags the driveways, makes sure they look good, waters the plants. He's a overall, um, does everything, won't sit down for an hour type of guy. I know recently when I came and laid over at your place, um, it was 11, 11.30 at night, and he's sitting in the chair. All of a sudden, boom, wide awake. I'm going to go clean stalls. I remember turning around thinking, it's 11.30 at night. Got to be done. And I thought, yep. what a man. You know, at his okay. age, he just gets up and goes. He, like you said, he does not sit down. That's it. But so often you see older people um, his age or even younger that, when when you don't use it, you lose it. He's oh yes. It. Oh no, I don't think he is either. I, I always say I think he's gonna outlive me. <laughs> I I'm not near as energetic as he is. I try to be, but I'm not near as energetic as he is. I don't know. I I I beg to differ. I I think you you got a you got a pretty good energy and grit to you. I would I would have to disagree. Um, well, so I appreciate about, that. So how how did your dad get started in is it PRCA? How how did he get started judging and doing all that? Yes. Um, so actually, as a kid, about seven years old, um, we lived in he lived in Fort Madison, Iowa, and they had um, which is right along the Mississippi River, and they had a stockyard um, right by the train um, tracks, and so as a seven year old, he would um, go hang out at the stockyards. And, because he loved animals, and um, Gene Autry um, actually uh, would bring his rodeo company. Um, he had the Flying A Rodeo Company. He yeah. would um, lay over there on the way to Madison Square Gardens, which is bucking horses and bulls and uh, roping calves and steers, and my dad would actually go down there, and I don't know if he was helping at the time, but he thought he was helping, Gene Autry, and Gene Autry took a real good liking to him, and um, Madison got a group of people together, and they started having a rodeo um, in Fort Madison, and so they would drive the livestock from the um, train train station or stockyards um, up to the rodeo grounds, up to Rodeo Park, and that is where they started having a rodeo, and so from the age of seven all the way until probably 10 years ago, my dad um, worked for every stock contractor that was at the Fort Madison Radio. And, That's amazing. Yes. So Gene Autry is actually the one that got him started um, in the rodeo business. And then um, my dad wanted to be a bull rider, so he went to a Jim Shoulders clinic and um, several times. And um, him and Jim Shoulders were real good friends. And um, he also was really, really good, or is really, really good friends with Mike Servi um, of the Servi Championship Rodeo Company, and they're very, very good friends. Um, 
In fact, when my mom had cancer, um, Mike Servey was the, one of the first people to come to him and say, like, we'll help you with whatever you need, like, financially, um, medically, whatever you need, like, we'll help you. So, dad has met some great people in his life. My dad, he just is an all-around great person. He's very shy, but once you get him talking, man, it's kind of hard to get away from him. He is. He's he's truly a legend, I know, before I even, or I think it was right after I met you, um, someone had started talking about your dad, and the first time I met him, it was, it, you just, he carries an energy about himself. He's just so, that such a humble man um, that you just really want to be around him. He's just that true legendary cowboy that just, you just can't stand to not be around. You just want to follow him around for a day. He's just adorable. I just, I just love your dad. He's so sweet. <laughs> I love him too. And he's very essential to me um, in our, in our workforce too. But he is, um, I've always been known as Don's daughter and I love it. <laughs> That's a compliment for sure. Um, well, let's talk a little Thank bit about you. your horse. Yes, let's talk a little bit about your horse, Mike. Um, oh, Mike. I think he's, he's well, Mike, a lot of legends in your life, and I think Mike is one of them as well. I'm, I'm very, I've been very fortunate. Um, I don't even know how to start with Mike because he is absolutely everything to me. Well, um, he has his registered name, his sire. Tell us a little bit about his registry. Yes. Um, Mike's registered name is Mr. Carter Bug. Um, he was acquired, um, I acquired him through Stephanie and Chris Duke of Duke Racing, and they had acquired him through um, the infamous John Reed Foster that um, owns Famous JR, and um, that is Mike Sire. And then he also had Naomi Nickbug um, by Dr. Nick Barr, and so that was his mama. And um, very, very talented horse. I'm not sure I always show his talents, but he puts up with me. <laughs> and, of course, he is um, hes probably better known than I am. He has his own Facebook page. Um, I have people that ask me to step off of him so they can take pictures with him. Uh, he is 10 this year. Um, we futurityed him. He had uh, some injuries that um, – it didn't go so well for us as a um, three-year-old. Um, Troy Crumrine, uh ran him in the three-year-old uh, slot race, and he tripped on second barrel, um, shoved the teeth, um, front teeth through the roof of his mouth. And so we had to get that all fixed um, right before Fort Smith of his four-year-old year. Or no, I have to back up. Um, I was at the slot race at the BBR. Um, security and he voted tendon um, during the race and um, so he was off for injury and then I don't know we went to Fort Smith and he tore his coronet band <laughs> um, he just had several um, injuries I think because he just tried really really hard and there's not a lot of um, holding him back um, he looks really, really easy to ride. I've had several people ride him and say he's not really easy to ride, so I feel like that's a great compliment to me that I can even make him look halfway good. Yeah, and see, I'm um, the opposite. I think he looks very difficult to ride. And you ride him in split reins, correct? Yes, yes. I rode, um, I've rode him in split reins for several years now. I just feel like, like I ride him more correctly. Um, it's easier for me to ride him in split reins. And... Um, that can be a challenge sometimes also. Okay. You got to do what you got to do. And it, like you said, every horse is different. Every rider is different. And if that's what fits the two of you the best, obviously it's working. Yes. yes it's working. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes. So here's a, here's a question that I, I'm going to start asking all of my guests. So um, I don't know if I gave you this question ahead of time or not, but if Mike had a theme song, what would it be? I discussed that with several people. It was really funny when um, I saw that you were going to ask me that. Um, it's going to be a Nickelback. Because it's hard to answer. <laughs> yes, it's a Nickelback song. I want to be a rock star. Yes. Um, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I said the line where he says he wants his own star on Hollywood Boulevard. <laughs> I actually believe that he probably would want his own star. Um, yes. 
I, I, I feel like he. More. I had no idea what he, you were going to say, and you, he nailed <laughs> it. That is absolutely my song. One thousand. Yeah, I, I feel like um, he thinks he's a rock star. He gets treated like a rock star, not only by me, but um, you and the, a group of friends that we have. They're always like feeding him treats, walking in the stall, <laughs> petting him as if it's their own horse. Um, taking pictures of him, posting on Facebook. So, like, I feel like he thinks he's a big deal. <laughs> well, Mike is a big deal, and I think you're just as big of a deal. And I think it's so great that you put him on the pedestal that he deserves. He's an amazing horse. You've come so far on him. I know you've had quite a few challenges. So that is a great segue into the next next questions I want to ask. Just a few more questions. Um, a, a lot of this podcast and a lot of things that I've struggled with is I want to talk about the mental game of struggling with barrel racing. Um, I know that you have been a great coach and a great friend and a mentor to me. Um, just helping with the, just the struggles, pre-race anxieties. Um, so are there any tips, tricks, things that you can tell listeners about? Um, let's just start with pre-race anxieties. Is there anything that you have or anything that you can talk about overcoming that? That's what has been really hard for me, but I've tried to help people with um, because I feel like I kind of grew up in the world of, you know, seeing what you want to call like famous barrel racers or things like that. And so I never like felt like that was a challenge to myself. I usually was put on very nice horses. Sometimes I had was put on colts and I knew that I may not have a chance to win, but um, my family always, always said, you know, it's, it's what you feel about yourself and how you feel about yourself. And if you go in thinking that you don't have a chance, then you're probably not going to have a chance. So the biggest thing that I can probably tell someone is, you know, just getting the mindset that, you know, um, most of us are not in this to make a living. You know, like most of us are not barrel racing to make a living. Um, there are, you know, the few that, that that's what their job is, is to make a living and to do do right, you know, by their um, clients. But most of us are in the barrel racing industry to have fun. And, of course, we like to win money. But I always say if you go in with the mindset that, you know, you can do this and that you want to enjoy what you're doing, then um, you can be successful at it. And so sometimes I say you have to find, you know, that niche, whether it's like breathing deeply when you start to feel yourself get nervous, um, you know, taking deep breaths, um, listening to music or podcasts or something that will take your mind off of, um, off of that. Um, I know I used to paint my fingernails right before I ran barrels, um, and I don't even have fingernails now, but um, when I was in college, for some reason, I went through a really tough time and we get nervous about running, and so I started, like, painting my fingernails that's the color of my outfits and as stupid as that sounds um it actually like made me calm and I was kind of on an excitable horse so it just made me calm and it made it helped me um you know ride him yeah it helps you focus um I always say you know find a find a life coach or a trainer or someone that you respect um someone that's not going to judge you someone that's going to pick you up um make you feel better or, you know, let you talk through it. Um, you and I talked several weeks ago, and I just kept hearing the same thing. You kept talking about the same thing, and you didn't realize what the problem was, and you were saying it over and over again. And I finally said, hey, I think, I think this is where it starts. And, you know, you're like, oh, it is. And I said, okay, well, that's what we need to work on. And you actually, you know, figured out how to make that work and you were very, very successful, you know, a couple of weeks ago because of that. So I don't know that I have the answers, but I just feel like, you know, you have to find someone that can mentor you or make you, um, you know, make you feel good or can help you find the problem and then um, go with that person. Because I say even life coaches aren't for everyone. Um, podcasts aren't for everyone. Um, reading articles, you know, are not for everyone. And I say, if you go to a clinician, if you go to a clinic and you can pick out one thing from the two or three day clinic you went to and that thing works for you, then you have spent your money well. 
I couldn't agree more. That's wonderful. And going back to the life coach, I know I've had, um, I've worked with Ty Hillman, Stevie, Stevie Hillman's husband. He's been wonderful. Um, during when COVID was here early, early spring 2020, um, I, I struggled mentally. So in the Midwest here, we don't get to ride during the winter time because the ground's frozen, it's too cold. So after I bring my horses to you for their spring tune-up, they're there for two, three, four weeks, I get them back. They are, they're pumped. They're ready to go. They're ready to go out long trot. And going to that first barrel race is hard mentally. You know, we've had three, four, maybe even five months off. And getting back into that process is tough. This year, we had almost nine months off because of COVID. We didn't have a, I didn't have a barrel race from November. I think my mouth is off here, but I'm not perfect. I, we, we finished had our last race the second weekend of November. Then it like instantly froze, got cold. We didn't race again until the middle of May when we could travel from Illinois to Missouri because Missouri started to open. So that's a long yeah. time to not barrel race. I remember yes. getting on my horse for the first race, and he was so amped up. He was ready to go. I was shaking so bad, and, and I thought my, my life coach, he told me, box breathe, box breathe, just keep breathing, stay calm, because your horse feels that. And I tell you what, I remember getting off my horse, right, because I don't like to walk across a lot of asphalt. So I got off and walked him over to the warm-up pen, like, I'm sorry, the holding pen. I was just profusely shaking. <laughs> my husband said, Give him here. I'll hold him. You have to stand up and take a few deep breaths. That was <laughs> so, and it was all my mentality. I barrel race. We all barrel race thousands, hundreds, or whatever times we've done it. It's the same pattern. It's the same three turns. It's the you know the same alleyways. It's the, it's the announcers. It is a dirt with four walls. It is, but it comes down to the pressure that we put on ourselves. Right. It comes down, and it's to hard it. because if you are not. It's hard to compete with people that are um, riding professionally, you know, and riding um, every day or that have an indoor arena or any of those things. And so I always tell people, you have to set goals for yourself. And you, if you don't enjoy what you're doing, if it's, like, physically making you sick or, you know, like you're, you're dreading going or you're coming home and you wish you hadn't went, you know, you really have to figure out if, you know, this is the right hobby for you. And obviously, I'm not some, you know, big, renowned, known barrel racer or that, but I have a lot of friends that are, and they they all have struggles too. It's just that we don't ask them about their struggles, and they might not publicize their struggles. So um, I always say, like, you know, find a mentor. Like, talk, you know, talk to them. Talk to, you know, a trainer. Like, I take my horse, um to Bob Jakeway, he um, has had many multiple um, Congress wins and um, world champion wins and things of that sort. And um, he's not in the game um, heavy like he was before, but him and my horse work well together, and I understand him, and he motivates me. And so that's why I use him is because he motivates me. And um, I think you just, you know, you have to find people like that. And not to change the subject, but I do want to give credit on my horse. He is in a partnership. I own half of him, and Mr. Sparky Claypool owns the other half of him. And I would not have him in my life without Sparky. So I get very emotional about that because you have to give credit to the people that help you. Absolutely. And I think it's so sweet. You make me get emotional whenever you say that. I think it's wonderful because it just shows how much love that you have, not only for your horse, but the people that have believed in you. You know, having someone that backs you and says, gosh, dang it, Sherry, I believe in you. We're going to do this. I mean, how powerful is that, though, Sherry? Not many people get the opportunity to do something like that in life. I think that is so powerful, really. So kudos to you and kudos to Mr. Claypool for doing that. I the first time you told me that story, I got a little bit emotional. It is it's such an uplifting thing to have somebody believe that much in you. I I think that's wonderful. I think that's great. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. <laughs> All right, Sherry. Well, you're really truly one of a kind. You carry an energy that every every horse is drawn to. 
Even my cranky mare who hates hates the world loves her Aunt Sherry. You <laughs> are so passionate. You're loving, gritty, you're reliable, and you're such a supporter of the horse industry. So tell the listeners where they can find you on social media. Uh, you can find me either under my name, Sherry Sunden, with S H E R R Y S U N D E N. We are also to High Dollar Ranch at um, gmail.com um, or to hyphen H at msn.com. Um, we are to High Dollar Ranch on Facebook also. Okay, and that's the number two with a dollar sign, correct? Uh, no, number two with a hyphen with an H at msn.com. So it looks like two minus H. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. And then um, two high dollar at gmail.com is is our um, web or our emails. Email. And then and Facebook, two high dollar ranch or Sherry Funden. Mr. Carterbug. Yes. Yes. We are working on getting our um, website put back together. We kind of changed it around to fit um, livestock needs also. So um, that should be up this fall, and that will be twohighdollarranch.com. Perfect. The number two. Got it. Thank you so much for your time, Sherry. I really appreciate this conversation. I know I've learned a lot, and I always love your insight and knowledge. Um, again, if anybody has any questions, feel free to DM me, send us a message, and I hope you have a wonderful day, Sherry. Thanks so much for joining awesome. us. Awesome. Thank you, Amy. Bye. 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 Thanks, Sherry. Uh-huh. Bye. This episode of Barrel Horse Live Podcast is brought to you by Lone Prairie Performance Horse Supply. Lone Prairie is a huge supporter of rodeo, sponsors many athletes, as well as local shows, major for charities, and NFR barrel racers. Check it out at LonePrairiePHS.com and you'll find everything from Shallow Creek Bits and Reins, all TLC supplements, mirror stall joint products, draw it out, flare strips, hay tricks, and tons more. Check it out at LonePrairiePHS.com and use code TEAMAMY for free shipping on your first order. We did it! Thank you so much for tuning in to my very first episode of the Barrel Horse Live podcast, written, produced, and edited by me, Amy Davenport, in my closet. Be sure to hit the subscribe button and give us an awesome rating. I've got some awesome people lined up for this season, like, I don't know, maybe something that rhymes with shmori shmorgo and shmarmane shmames, something like that. So be sure to share us on your social media because sharing is caring. That's a lot of shh. Well, she it on the road, guys. Shanks. Yoo-hoo, horsies. It's time for snacks.